Welcome to episode 219 of the Win and Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual, Jordan Tresky. Hello, Jordan. Hello. Jordan, we are here to start our position by position season review series of pods. Um, we've done this the last couple of years, I think. It can vary at what sort of timing we do it. Now seems like the right time. Um, I'm not anticipating major news in the next kind of 10 days or so, although I could be proven wrong just for saying that. And that's when major news pops up. <laughs> generally what happens. Um, so over that span, we're going to break down. We're going to have five pods. I don't know if you're aware, but there are five positions in basketball. And we're going to go through one, probably release one every couple of days or so. And we'll talk through the book season and the individuals and what it means for them in the year, what it means for moving forward, all of that kind of good stuff. Jordan, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. We're not trying to throw a curveball on you, so we're going to start a point guard. You know, we're not, we're not going to start at center and work our way back. Um, although I do like the big guys, we're going to start a <laughs> point guard. With that, I guess we'll start with, you know, the book's main primary point guard for the season, Eric Bledsoe. Jordan, what I'm going to do, and I'll do this for all of them, is I'll quickly run through key stats for Eric Bledsoe, and then we'll go to you to open the floor with your thoughts on it. So you're going to have a minute on all of these. This is how it's going to go. It's gonna, I'm going to leave it to you to open. So I'll start out with Bledsoe. Basic per game stats for regular season, 17.8 points per game. On 47.6% from the field, 34.9% from deep, 79.5% from the free throw line. In addition, he had 5.1 assists, 3.9 rebounds, 2.0 steals, 0.6 blocks, and 2.9 turnovers per game. For to switch over to advanced stats for a quick look, Bucks offensive rating with Eric Bledsoe on the court, 110.9. That is team best. Defensive rating of 106.2, leaving him with the fourth best net rating on the team of 4.7. Um, also worth noting, not quite as positive, Bledsoe's assist-to-turnover ratio of 1.75. Um, lastly, I guess on that one, true shooting percentage, 58.5%. Bledsoe, of course, arrived a week or two into the season. Um, it was, I believe, November 7th when... He came from the Suns in exchange for Monroe and some picks. With all of that considered, with the numbers I've just given to you, with your overall impression, how are you rating Eric Bledsoe's first season in Milwaukee? Are we doing grade scale, like F to A? We can F do grades. A. We can do grades. 
arbitrary grades though. Um, I think I'd give it a solid B. I think the regular season. Um, again, I was a Eric Bledsoe defender. I thought obviously there were little gripes you can have about his game. Um, that surely fleshed out in the playoffs, uh, <laughs> to just abysmal degrees. <laughs> but for the most part, I thought he realized his fit here. I thought, you know, all the talk of playing on a team with great supporting cast, him not being kind of the lead offensive creator or, um, I guess star in, in quote unquote, um, I thought that benefited him. Um, it's, you know, the playoffs just really color his season and, you know, his future with the Bucks in a very different way, obviously. Um, but for a good five or four months or so, we saw a solid season out of Eric Bledsoe. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I gave him a B-. minus. I, I did his write-up for a season review, and I gave him a B-, minus and that B- minus was very heavily weighted on what happened in the postseason. Um, we have talked about it on, on the podcast before. I think like, there's no other way of putting it. His playoff play was inexcusable. I mean, his playoff average is 13.6 points, 3.7 assists, 3.6 rebounds, 2.1 turnovers per game on 44, 31.8, and 70 shooting splits just doesn't cut it i mean if if we were talking about someone who was a really obviously middle of the road middle of the rotation player or just kind of someone who you say oh he's he's like a fine point guard he's like a that's fine if he's your fifth starter and he's your point guard you'd kind of be still not thrilled with that playoff performance and the fact is bledsoe was and needed to be more than that for the books that's hard to look past i mean in the regular season, we saw a lot of the good, and we saw we saw what we hoped to see in getting a player like Bledsoe, and we saw he offered what we felt the books had been lacking for quite a long time in terms of someone who did have that urgency and ability to be able to turn a corner and drive to the rim. I think it's safe to say, having watched him, we'd all agree Eric Bledsoe doesn't do that often enough. But at the same time, we saw when he does it, it was beneficial. He was able to get quick and easy points. And when he really got into a groove like that, you know, opportunities did open up for teammates. On the defensive side, when he was focused and when he was locked in, he was really, really good. And he gave the Bucks a different kind of defender at the point guard position, someone who could be much more aggressive, go and shut things down at the point of attack and really disrupt opposing teams in a way that, even when the Bucks have looked to do different things defensively and have more aggressive um, defenders in the in the backcourt, they haven't had someone with his kind of combination of skill and the wingspan he has and just the kind of nose for the ball. Uh, he, he's incredibly good in passing lanes. He's good at finding opportunities to, to force turnovers. Just unfortunately, he'll then say, run out and transition and turn it back over immediately, as was a common sight throughout the season. Obviously, Bledsoe's future isn't entirely set. I think there'll be a lot of people who feel, oh, well, he's definitely back. And, I mean, it'd be a surprise if they do otherwise. I'm not quite there. Um, I'd, I'd be a little surprised, but I, it would be a pleasant surprise, I think, if they found a way to proactively move on and get something good this soon. 
and that's purely because he's going to be a free agent next summer and you've got to constantly be thinking of okay what can we make out of this roster what can we do with it but if he does come back what version of Bledsoe do we need to see what does he need to change in his game or what would you hope he's learned across his first season with the books as to specifically how he can fit in with his team i hate to just boil it down to this because i mean you know are you going to use that phrase again well we we always look at numbers and just how people are playing the eye test um i think just a lot of it is just being engaged at all times i mean that I, I don't know what to call his playoff performance other than, you know, being disengaged or just not living up to the moment. All these, you know, cliche stuff that, I don't know, I hate just drolling out there, but, <laughs> I mean, what can you say after seeing him just kind of self-combust on the court and off the court more often than not? I mean, outside of Game 7, um, he was pretty much a train wreck in every sense of the word i mean a lot of it was boiled or talking about him coming to the bucks was you know it's been five years since he's played for a playoff team what does he look like on a competitive team all that stuff and when that moment came he just <laughs> i it's still baffling to talk about almost a month later um yeah i i think it's just about being engaged and just kind of buying into your role and maybe obviously with boonholzer now in the fold i think if they were if he were to stick around for training camp and head in or stay in Milwaukee throughout the season and stuff like that. I think the hope is that he that that relationship and partnership with Boonholzer and the Bucks and just in general can still work out. But man, that's just oh, that's a steep hill to climb after those you know six seven games and uh, playoffs this year. Yeah, I think the there's kind of a there's kind of a very thin line where we have to differentiate something with Bledsoe and it's I I don't think he's a bad guy or a bad locker room guy in the wrong way. I don't even necessarily think he has an attitude problem. I just think his yeah, he gets distracted in strange ways. It, it's kind of like his his mentality just isn't always right. It's not always where it needs to be. He can focus on things that aren't actually as essential to his performance or the team's performance. And I mean, Rozier and that whole playoff series was a good example of it. Even in game seven, um, that was important early on. It wasn't for the, you know, if, if it wasn't for the betterment of the team. It had the feeling of, okay, this is my one man, you know, yeah. salvage crew. And I'm here to guide the books to round two and against a team who were well-organized and disciplined and Eric Bledsoe kind of runaway train wasn't going to get very far. And yeah, I, I think the adjustments that need to be made there are just learning and improving as a player on the mental side of his game and on who he needs to be and what his team needs from him. And that's a difficult one because there are lots of things guys can improve on, but I don't know how easy that is for a 28 year old who's been in the league a long time. And maybe he is one of these players and he's an example of when you talk about, you know, it can be damaging for players to be in bad situations on losing teams for a long time. Maybe that is a factor with him. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to have a definitive answer to that, but a lot of what we saw and particularly the negative elements could certainly point to a player who, has been in some tough spots, some less than desirable spots, 
and has picked up some really bad habits along the way. And you're right. So much of what we talk about is numbers based or what we're seeing and in terms of watching games. And then there is these other intangible elements that players pick up along the way that are very much experience based and they are unique to every player and what they've gone through to get to where they are. And in Bledsoe's case, it doesn't even necessarily mean it's his fault, but it's been some weird locker rooms, some weird teams and some very some very strange situations who knows if a new coaching staff comes in and gets a fix to that but the thing for as much as you know we rallied against so much of the strangeness of the books over the course of the season and the coaching staff and what was going on there that coaching staff was more functional than what Bledsoe had been used to for a while so (laughs) I mean he had genuine joy for coming in to be coached by Jason Kidd and I believe that was fully genuine because he'd been in some pretty weird spots I don't know I don't know what we get next from Bledsoe I think he's a he's a good player but is he inherently flawed in some ways it's very possible And I don't think he's perfect for the books by any means. He gives them something, but at his worst, he may take away more than his best actually adds when you consider the other talent on the roster. Anything else? Any final thoughts on Bledsoe? Do you you think Bledsoe will be here? Do you think they will try to move him? I think there'll be rumblings, but I I would lean towards he is here. At least at the start of trade camp. And then we can go from that. That's quite far in. I, you know, an interesting part of it is I think it's very much dependent on just how crazy free agency gets and how teams shift. And really, the biggest thing in that is obviously if LeBron leaves the Cavs and goes somewhere else. I'm not talking about that in terms of Rich Paul and the relationship between LeBron and Bledsoe. It's just that's the sort of seismic move that can then see a whole bunch of teams quickly look to reshape. And you could have some team looking to get off salary who all of a sudden Bledsoe's expiring is appealing and they're moving this to that. And, you know, that's where it gets interesting. But a lot of it depends. I think a lot of people are expecting a crazy summer in terms of trades and free agency. If that doesn't happen, I think Bledsoe's definitely a book. If things get a little bit weird, it will open up the possibility for him to be elsewhere. Okay, let's move on. Malcolm Brogdon. I'll go through the stats again, Jordan. You prepare yourself for uh, for some opinion of some sort. Uh, Brogdon, I should probably lead off with, played 48 games this season. Injury um, heavily impairing his season. In that time, he averaged 13 points per game on 48.5% from the field, 38.5% from deep, 88.2% from the free throw line. Actually, kind of in 50-40-90 range, um, which I don't think I'd really thought of before, but hey, that's good. Um, 3.3 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.4 turnovers. And to cross over to the advanced stats, offensive rating of 107.1, which is kind of middle of the pack for the books. Um, a defensive rating of 107.5, again, kind of middle of the pack for the books. Net, net Negative net rating of minus 0.4. Uh, Assist to turnover ratio of 2.3. Okay. And true shooting percentage of 57.8%. 
what was your impression of Falcon Broken season? Obviously, injury cut it short, but a very uh, a nice progression from his rookie of the war, rookie of the year award winning season. Um, definitely notable improvements in his game, uh, finishing at the at the rim. Uh, knocking down a couple pull-up jumpers from three Pujits. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, there's obviously the injury that took out a big chunk of what he could have done, and you know, maybe buoyed the 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 Bucks during his absence too. Um, for that, you know, probably two and a half months that he was out. Um, but. A very solid season. Very, um, I think he, a lot of the questions that we were kind of wondering after last year, he kind of answered them. Maybe not like, well, I would say definitively. Yeah, I would say definitively. Um, I just think nice piece moving forward. That's pretty much all I can really think of from after watching his, you know, grant or albeit limited season, but still. That was it was kind of reaffirmed from what he did on the court this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think the one of the few things that Bucks fans generally seem to agree on is that Brogdon can be a kind of core piece of the roster moving forward. And when I say core, I don't mean that he's necessarily like your top guy, your top three guys, but on his current contract, on the value that you know you're probably going to move to, even on his next deal for what he can offer. He's a player with a lot of positive contributions, very little negatives. And he's kind of a refreshing, steady presence on a team that can often be anything but steady. Um, You're right, his ability to add something to his three-point shooting arsenal with with some of the step-backs we've seen from this year. Generally, I just think actually shooting shooting off the dribble, shooting on the move, he he looked a lot better. Um, Yeah. was already a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter and he's looking like a player who's rounding out to be a a really nice all-around shooter that is in itself obviously incredibly valuable but then you take his steady ability with the ball i he didn't do quite as much or maybe quite as well this year running point as he did last year that whole dynamic change and honestly i don't think he got a lot of opportunity because even when he got on the court like he had some starts at shooting guard this year he was paired with bledsoe and if you're sharing the floor with bledsoe middleton and Giannis, i mean it's hard to actually be an initiator with a lineup like that i'd like to see them get back to some of that i'd like to see them encourage that because i think positive things come out of that i think positive things can come out of brogdon in the pick and roll um He's not necessarily fast, but he does a really good job of kind of turning the corner off screens. And as you mentioned, when he gets to the rim, he is an incredibly good finisher. He's maybe one of the best finishers on the team at the rim. And when you consider the things he has working against him, I mean, he's not a small guy, but you're not talking about Giannis, who has these inherent advantages when he gets that position. Brogdon knows how to use his body. He knows how to use the actual rim itself. And it's very rare i can't remember him getting his shot blocked you know it just doesn't really happen all that often and all of that has value and i think that's part of the reason why we can look at him as kind of a universally valuable player um he's eligible for extension this summer yes he is he's eligible for that um that norman powell kind of deal right is is really i hate to have to use that player as an example 
but something in the four-year, 40 million range or something like that. Yeah, Bobby Marks um, in his offseason piece, piece, which you should read if you want to know these dates and all that, uh, you know, salary figures and stuff like that. I believe it's something similar to the Norman Powell deal and Josh Richardson deal, which is four years, 46 million. I don't know if Brogdon takes that. My my inclination would be that he would. And if I was the books, I might just go and do that. I know the advantages of play through the season and you have his low cap hole. Obviously, that this whole discussion hinges on what they do with Jabari, and I'd probably be of the thinking that I prefer Brogdon at a at a manageable rate again moving forward rather than taking so many of the big risks on Jabari. But I wonder if they explore that and if they have that conversation. Because I, I think there's a lot too, and we haven't even mentioned it, but you alluded to it in our last episode, the way Brogdon spoke in exit interviews, there's something about his personality and him as a leader on this team as well that I think is important that can only continue to grow. And then you listen to Bud, and Bud talks about competitors and his desire to have players like that. Brogdon fits that mold. He's as high character as any guy in the NBA. He's incredibly intelligent on and off the court. He's going to do a lot of the right things. And he's showing improvements in his game that I don't think were generally anticipated coming out of college as a guy who he was he a college player of the year he was defensive player of the year it wasn't a college player of the year I don't think um but had gone a full term of Virginia and everyone thought okay this guy is good but he's fully formed that's that's basically the reason why he fell to 36 he's already shown improvement and with his work ethic and with his attitude I wouldn't bet against him showing further improvement as he goes on if you were the GM, would you be considering a Brogdon extension now, or would you be prepared to wait it out and see what his season holds in store for him? Extension. Yeah, I I think the same. And again, look, there's the other variable, and that is you're kind of in a spot of, well, what do you do with Bledsoe and everything that surrounds that? But there is something about Brogdon that I think is very much security, and it doesn't feel like it would be a bad contract. It feels quite the opposite if you could get him locked in on something like that. And this is one of the cases where being a slightly older guy coming into the league doesn't work against the team because you're having him locked in through what are essentially going to be his prime years if you get a deal like that done and you're getting him in at a really really nice rate so it'll be interesting to see how that one develops and how the books consider that um i believe that date I did read this Bobby Marks thing and I just I read it like a week ago and I can't remember now when it first came out. I believe that is mid to late July. There's some date. Uh, I just saw it. I'll pull it up now. I'll pull it up now. I, I believe it is in that kind of time frame where it would give them enough time to I guess figure out other things, you know, um, make some decisions before they ultimately say, okay, what are we going to do with Brogdon? Um, let's see, extension eligible candidates, July 29. Mm. Like Jabari is resolved one way or another, then you've you've got a much clearer picture of what you are doing. Well, or what, what will he do. be? Yes. It, it is rare. It is rare for anyone to carry over into August anymore. I know you get like the Tristan Thompson situation. Girl is the well though. I think that's a very 
relevant comparison. comparison. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know. <laughs> I really paid you. I, I just... I think it can be done sooner than that. I, I, I am of the opinion. I don't think this is the most prudent way. I don't think it's necessarily the way they're going to enter into it. But I think at this point, the books are realistically in a position where they want or they don't want Jabari. You know, they may come to a place where they're like, okay, he's cheaper than we expected. We keep him. He's an asset. We see what happens. I, I, I think he's the guy you have to be all in on or that's it. I mean, we'll talk about him when we get to, we have to different positions. Yeah. So I don't want to bog it down in that, but it is, it's all relevant in considering what they do with Brogdon Brogdon could be entering a contract season next year, or he could be signing an extension. Who knows? We'll see. Um, let's keep it moving, though. Delhi. Speaking of injuries, um, Delhi played just 38 games this season. Averaged 4.3 points per game. Not ideal. Four point three points per game on thirty six point two percent from the field, thirty seven point two percent from deep, ninety two point six percent from the free throw line. Three point eight assists, one point seven rebounds, zero point four steals, one point three turnovers. That was at eighteen point seven minutes per game. On the advanced side of things, offensive rating of one hundred five point seven, kind of low end of books players. Defensive rating of 109.2, which is on the wrong end of defensive rating. Um, that comes out at a net rating of minus 3.5. Assisted turnover ratio, long one of Delhi's great strengths. Um, this season, 2.96, which is very good, still right up around where you expect him to be, at a, right around that tree mark. And a true shooting percentage of only 50%. Yikes. Um, I mean, the injury is the biggest thing here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we're getting down the weeds and the gross depthness. Um, yeah, definitely just another kind of uh i would say a lost season really um especially after last year's kind of struggles uh just what can you say about delhi and of course the salary figure that's attached to his name is going to be brought up whenever you're talking about delhi um yeah that's just <laughs> uh just pretty much a lost season do you have a grade for delhi Neither of us have actually written the season review of him yet, so I don't. I don't think either of us have really had to pin this down. Um, I I didn't realize his points per game, just for example, and that's a very raw, basic number. But I didn't realize it was quite as bad as it was. I mean, three point shooting was actually okay, but points per game and his field goal percentage, not great at all. Probably D, D plus, somewhere in that range. I think it's a D. I don't think it's all true his own fault. I mean, part of that is that's not enough games. You know, it's not enough games to get the best out of any player. Um, the most disappointing element of that is 
he finished last season, as in that season just finished the previous season, discussing, you know, how it was his first summer off in quite a while, and it was a a chance for him to rest up after years of international basketball, after a free agency year, after deep runs with the Cavs. And he really felt like he was going to get his body right and come back and make a big impact. And then his body was the thing that failed him for the most part. That's disappointing. And I, I do think you still see when he, when he gets healthy and when he's there, even if the numbers aren't always screaming it out, you see how influential he can be. You see how, the cliche things we talk about like his screens actually do have real value and it's not just some sort of you know jokey conversation point as often as it can cross over into that his iq but even just his kind of poise you know he has a different kind of balance to making his decisions at the point guard position he's obviously less talented than an eric bledsoe or even a malcolm brogdon but he does have an understanding and an eye for things that comes with his experience. It comes with his know-how. And that really would be beneficial to the books. And it's kind of, it's piling on the, the summer we'd all like to forget now when you have Mirce Toledovic is being waived and, you know, the way his future looks and Delhi is where he is. And you can still see what the need for players who could fill certain roles and bring certain experience to the books is and was and just everything has worked against those guys in terms of showing anything and then when they have had the chances they haven't necessarily or didn't we can speak of Toledovic in the past sense didn't necessarily seize them that's a really really difficult one do you think Delhi can be traded without no. without piling things on no no I'm. I wonder. I. I do wonder. I. This again links back to um. Play a little game. With me. This isn't your favorite kind of game, Jordan. Let's say LeBron does leave Cleveland. The Cavs enter a completely different mode. Um. They start moving on from a lot of the guys they have who can be moved on from easily, and all of a sudden cap space is not a lot of problem. They're going to have younger guys coming in. They're going to be looking at a different sort of thing. How better to get people back on side than to bring in Delhi to be a mentor and a fan favorite again? I'm being very wishful and thinking there's a way for the books to get out of the salary. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> the, being realistic, there's a better chance of Delhi getting healthy and being a positive impact maker for the books again than them moving on and getting out of this early. That's the way it feels like right now. And it just needs to be healthy. Just. Yeah, there are enough other consistencies in the books, not just the point guard spot, in their backcourt rotation and things they've had to look to, that there are minutes there, there are opportunities, they need some sort of presence there. And get healthy, he has a chance, but he hasn't been able to do that. And it's pretty hurtful, you know? It starts to sting when you're paying a guy all that money. And more than anything, I mean... It's not that he's letting you down in that regard. He's just not even giving the chance to show that, oh, hey, this is what I can do. I mean, that's problematic. He played 76 games last year, and I'm even surprised at that. It didn't feel like yeah. he played He played as many games in his first season in Milwaukee. But yeah, this one, halving that total really wasn't very good. Lastly, Brandon Jennings, 
You ready for me to read Brandon Jennings' stats out, Jordan? Oh, I, I'm You're very... probably familiar with them. You've just written about them. Um, okay, Brandon Jennings. Let me scroll down the page here. <clears throat> let, me let me find a way where I know which category is which when I'm all the way scrolled down here. Um, Brandon Jennings, 14 games for the books, 14.7 minutes per game, 5.2 points. 37.5% from the field, 27.3% from deep, 100% from the free throw line. 2.2 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 0.4 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.3 turnovers. On the advanced side of things, offensive rating, and I'll remind you all that this is 2018, 96.1. Defensive rating, 112, combining for a net rating of negative 15.8. Add to that, assist to turnover ratio, 2.44. That's actually okay. Um, true shooting percentage, 47.8. Not so okay. Interesting, and not all that surprising, I'd guess. Um, he was third in terms of pace when he was on the floor. 101.68 pace with Brandon Jennings out there, which in a lot of ways maybe points to some of the problem in that he's just not a guy for this team. Maybe he's not a guy for any team because he wants to go at that pace. And what can he do at that pace with his body right now? What can he do at that pace the way the league is, the way it is? It was the feel-good story of about a day for a lot of Bucks fans. Um, uh, maybe three days from when when the news broke to whenever whatever the next game after the Grizzlies game was. Um, what's your overall impression though of Brandon Jennings' return? Um, <laughs> just <laughs> those numbers. Even when I was writing my season review, which you can read now, um. It was, I, it wasn't even just that. I mean, his, he played seven games with the herd and his shooting splits there were pretty abysmal too. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a great story, all that stuff. We talked about that, but a lot of what we talked about when they first signed him basically came to fruition and it's hard. It, I don't. I don't want to feel like I'm being harsh or anything like this. But through all the stuff that he's gone through to get back into the league, I I still think he has plenty to go in terms of kind of rebuilding his career and just kind of making, you know, I I don't know if a lot of the NBA teams look at what he did this, you know, the last month and a half or so of this year with the Bucks and with the herd too, and say I want to give him a contract this summer. A veteran minimum veteran minimum contract i think he's kind of a i think it's gonna be a lot like last year where teams are probably gonna give him a call during the season if injury strikes and stuff like that but i i think he's still i think maybe i wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the g league that much i i think that that that's pretty certain at this point for me yeah, and it's 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 not for not wanting to root for the guy to make a comeback and get to where he was. He's just not that guy. 
I don't see any reason why any NBA team would want them there, and that included the Bucks this year. Because if you're a good team, well, you're not a good team. You're pretending to be a good team, and you're failing miserably if you're bringing in Brandon Jennings. If you're a bad team, you don't want Brandon Jennings. You want young guys who aren't off the back of a potentially career-defining injury who still may have the potential to become something surprising that can really have value for you. And there just isn't that upside there now. Like, at his best, he is a worse, much more flawed version of the player he was six years ago. Yep. That is not good, particularly when that player is a dying breed in the NBA. I mean, even the better versions of that player are having a pretty tough time of it. So it's very problematic. I mean, there's there's no other way of putting it. The, bringing him back made no sense. Made no sense. I I do wonder whether there was any even thought of it or if it did just all come together in a way where they got carried away because they needed a point guard and he was healthy and in the area because they brought him to the herd. And it was after it was after the the deadline. Yeah, so he was he was kind of technically among the best available options because he was eligible because he played overseas. I mean, I I just don't get it though. I I don't think it can go on. I was particularly I don't want to say happy. That sounds awful. I don't mean it that way. But I was somewhat relieved to hear his guarantee date is July first because, I mean. Let's say there's some improbable scenario where he starts the team with the books next season. There's not. Why am I even saying that? There's not. But I, I just don't think he can survive through that date. You know, that's when you open up everything and explore your options. He's gonna be gone by then, and I don't know why he was back to begin with. Sadly, I mean, it it created some buzz, and I mean that first game was incredibly impressive. It would have been somewhat nice if that was it. They should have waved him after that game. And just that was, you know, like a Brandon Jennings testimonial of sorts. His swan song with the books. He came back, had whatever that was. Was it 16, 12, and 8? I believe so. I mean, that's impressive. Being able to do that is impressive. He did do it against the Grizzlies, though. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's tough. I don't. We don't have anything else to talk about on Brandon Jennings. We probably talked way too much. We did about a million times more than we expected to talk about Brandon Jennings this season on the podcast. And yeah, the season wasn't all that dazzling for him. Pretty disappointing. And it's them's the breaks, Jordan. You know that's injuries have worked against him. Age has caught up with him. Although he's not an old guy, he's older and he's carrying injuries that slow him down that have changed who he is and he has a play style which just isn't a natural fit anymore particularly when you're not incredibly good at it so yeah i feel like i think it's the end for him in the nba i don't think he'll play in the nba again maybe there's a 10 day for another team who are desperately in need of some point guard cover and circumstances align but i certainly can't see him starting a season on a roster famous last words all right we should probably just briefly mention i don't know if you're gonna talk about him gp2 is also a member of the point guard core this season 
We salute you, GP2. Um, he had some of the strangest minutes of any book this season. <laughs> he didn't even play those minutes generally at the point guard. And yeah, not a whole lot there that we need to reflect on. Last question as we talk about point guards. Have the books got it or any of it figured out at the point guard position? Or are things really as muddled and as uncertain as they have been for quite some time? I would lean towards muddled. Um, They have pieces, nice pieces, but I don't think the the quest to find the long-term point guard is has been resolved, I'd say. I mean, having Brogdon at least is a good thing. Yes. You know, and yes. if if he is your point guard long term, you probably have room to upgrade, but he's not a he's not gonna let you down. And if he is your backup long term, you're in a really good spot. And either of those things are not the worst base to be working off of. And it's something they didn't necessarily have like a couple of years ago. <laughs> the point guard situation in my time covering the books has been eventful, to say the least. And it continues to be what well, Brogdon is in himself, some form of stability. But it still just hasn't worked out as we would hope. Maybe he could turn that around, but I have no reason to believe in him longer term. And with that, there is still room, whether that's Brogdon finds another level, seizes the spot, whether it's they draft someone, trade for someone, find someone in free agency. Yeah. The story isn't finished yet on who the point guard for this iteration of the books will be. Okay. That is it for us for now. We'll be back to you in a couple of days where we'll go through the books, shooting guards, same deal again, shorter pods than usual. Um, quick fire on all of the players mine and Jordan's thoughts yeah couple of days check back for that one to make sure you don't miss it you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts follow us on SoundCloud add us and state your favourites on TuneIn Radio you can also read all of our work behindthebookpass.com we have written in-depth season reviews of players ongoing there and going for a couple of weeks you can look through all the ones that are already up and keep an eye out for the ones still to come uh, along with all the rest of our coverage, everything related to Bud and his hire, the draft coming up, all of that good stuff behind the As always, thanks to you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.